Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody today? Good. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. How's everybody today? Woo-hoo! Yeah. Hey, we're going to take our offering this morning. Uh, we take an offering every week at Genesis. And uh, this is an opportunity to give back to the work that God is doing through this church and this community. And uh, we thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Hey, we've got something that's brand new that's starting this morning besides the two-service thing. And that is we have a middle school group that's beginning. An opportunity for middle school students to get together and spend some time in community getting to know each other. And for a while, we're going to kind of make an introduction of it. Um, but the middle school now is leaving to go into the cafe. And so if you're a middle school student... Or you'd like to think you're a middle school student, uh, you can go. Uh, we have some of our leaders that are in the back, T-Rock's back there, and uh, they'll be heading into the cafe, so go ahead and go now and uh, spend some great time with them. Thanks for the volunteers. Thanks to all of you uh, who came early today with the start of two services. I know it required uh, people in our cafe to be here early, and our band was here extra early, and uh, people that are helping with the host team, and people back at the soundboard. Thanks to all of you who are uh, giving what you can uh, to help get us started. And it's been a great start so far. We had a great crowd this morning at 9 a.m. We're really excited about that. Just a time that really works well for people. It frees up some space for our children. And we've got a big crowd here at 1045. And we're excited about that. We believe God's going to keep sending people to Genesis. We need to make room. We need to add chairs to this place as often as we can. But first and foremost, we're excited that you guys are here today. And uh, thanks for, for being here. Now, how, for how many of you does it really not matter that we started at 1045? You were still late, huh? Yeah, okay, you're just that type of person. We can start at whatever time, and you're always going to be five or ten minutes late. Well, Jesus still loves you, and we do too, and so we are, we are glad that you're here. But uh, we're starting a brand new series this morning that I'm kind of excited about. Um, I'd like to pray, though, uh, before we start, if, if you'd join me in prayer. I know we're finishing up offering, too. So, Dear God, I just want to thank you for this day today, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here in this place and I just feel the need to say thanks to you, God, because you're in control of all things. Uh, You control all of the details of our life and all the things that are happening around us, Uh, but this is your church, God. Uh, Genesis is your church, and you've called us here for a reason, and uh, you're working through this place to help reach others, and we're excited that we get to be a part of that. Uh, God, we pray that you would just bless us this morning as we try and bless you, And, and my prayer right now is this, Lord, that you would take me out of the equation as much as possible and that you'd make this about your time. Uh, As we read through Philippians together, God, we give you permission to say whatever it is that you want to say, and I pray that you would just invade our hearts and just invade our personal space, God, and you would say and encourage us however you need to do this morning. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're starting a brand new series today. Uh, It's a seven-week series, and we're going to be going through the book of Philippians together, and and I'm kind of excited about it. Now, Philippians is a great book for any person, Uh, regardless if you've been around the church for a long time, or if you're pretty new to church, it's very practical. It's a very practical application on how to live life and how to live life to the fullest. Well, we're going we're, we're gonna to touch every verse in this book. We're going to read through every verse together, but it would be impossible and a little lofty for me to say that we're going to take everything out of it that we possibly could, because there's a lot of stuff in Philippians. But here's my hope. My hope is that over the next seven weeks that we're going to identify seven attributes or seven characteristics that I believe Paul is teaching us here that, it can, that can encourage us as well. And, and I'm going to be teaching for five weeks of this series and Steve Davis and Steve Wallen, two of our elders, are going to pick up a, a week too. It's going to be a great series and I want to encourage you to get involved with it. And in fact, I'd like to invite you to be more than a spectator in this. I'd like you to be a participant as well and here's how you can do it. If you read your Bible regularly... Uh, put Philippians on your radar. 
And, and over the next seven weeks in your own Bible reading time, just spend, in t- just spend some time reading through the pages. Ask God to teach you what he wants to teach you through it. Uh, if you don't read your Bible regularly and would like to, and you've always wanted, okay, how am I going to get started? Let's give it a shot. Just, just pick up a Bible. If you've got your own Bible, uh, read through it. Read along with us. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles available at our info hub, and they are our gift to you. So when the service is over today, stop by there, pick up a Bible, take it home with you. It's yours to keep, and try reading along Philippians with us, and we'd love to talk with you about it. But we're calling this study Living in HD, all right? Living in HD, and with the crossover to digital television coming up in February, and with all the hoopla about HD today, I thought it would be appropriate to call this series Living in HD. Now, most everyone knows that HD stands for... High definition, all right? Smart crowd here, smarter than the 9 a.m. service. Well, in recent years, HD technology has been made available almost everywhere. There's even something called HD radio right now. You can listen to radio in HD, and it's a, it's a higher level of quality and sound production. You may right now have TV channels that are broadcast in HD, and if you've got it, you know it's nice. It's real nice, especially if you're watching sports. I mean, it's almost like you're right there on the court or right there on the field, and you can see the beads of sweat dripping from their nose. Why we would want to do that or see that, we just get excited about it when we see that on our television. It's pretty cool. Well, for those of you that don't understand the contrast between high definition and, and non-high definition, I want to demonstrate it for you. And, and so here's what I've done. Let, let's just take, for example, I've got this picture here of Ben Krause. Okay, now you recognize Ben as our, our, our worship leader, and this picture was taken in non-HD, okay, it was just taken with a regular plain old camera. Now I want to show you the difference with a camera taken in HD quality. Look at this next shot. Yes, yeah, see, there are details and characteristics that, that high definition bring out that you can't see with the naked eye, all right? And so here again is just an example of the quality uh, that you get with, with HD, and, and you can totally see the difference. But HD brings details into focus. Uh, It magnifies details that we don't normally see. And, And here's what I believe. I believe that God wants the very best for all of us. I believe that God wants us to live boldly. I believe that God wants us to live courageously. I believe that God wants, to live, wants us to live with hope. I, I believe that he wants us to live with purpose and with greater definition, or let's just say high definition. That God wants us to have this high definition approach to life that we know why we're living, who we're living for, and where we're going. And so as we dig into these passages and topics, this is what I hope that we're going to find as we read the book of Philippians together. And my prayer is that these words will cause us to take a deeper look into the mirror and maybe identify some areas where you might need to make some adjustments in order to live your life with higher definition, with greater purpose, and with greater clarity. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians. And if you don't know where that is, I'll do my best to try and help. Go to the the New Testament, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or the four Gospels, Acts, Romans, and then if you get the Ephesians, Philippians. Uh, Check your index out. If we had all had the same Bibles, I'd tell you what page it was on. We'll have the verses on the screen too. But if you want to follow along on your own, go to the book of Philippians, and we're going to start right in chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And I'd love for you to follow along with me. Here's what it says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from our God and the Father, and our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's where I want to start. I want to start this morning by just looking at some background a little bit in this book. And we see 
from the very beginning that Paul is the writer of this epistle. Now, if you've heard that word before and don't want to know what it means, it just means letter. This is a letter that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. Now, Paul was formerly named Saul with an S. And as Saul, he spent his days arresting Christians, having them thrown into jail and eventually put to death. But then God got a hold of his life. And God has a knack of getting hold of people's lives and changing them from the inside out. He did this with Saul. And Saul became a follower of Jesus and started going by the name of Paul. And instead of living for fame and instead of living for wealth and for living, living for position, Paul began preaching the gospel and sacrificing everything he had for the name of Jesus Christ. And he did it with such passion and with such zeal that people got mad at him. And that's what's happened on this occasion. Paul's in prison. And he's writing this letter from a Roman prison. Well, Timothy, as verse 1 shows us, was an apprentice of Paul. He was a student of sorts. And Timothy was on Paul's team when Paul first visited Philippi some years before. And so the book of Philippians is a letter written to the church in Philippi. And Paul wrote this letter to the church from a prison cell in Rome. Now, I don't want you to forget that, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week and what that means for Paul's, Paul's writing here, but he's writing this letter to these people in Philippi from a prison cell. Well, Paul's first visit to the city of Philippi some years before is recorded in the book of Acts, actually in Acts chapter 16. And several things happened when Paul first visited the city of Philippi. He and a guy by the name of Silas, along with Timothy and, and maybe others on this team, went to Philippi to start a church there. Much like those of you who were involved in, in helping with Genesis and helping Genesis get started, Paul was a church planter. And when Paul arrived in Philippi, he found and struck up a conversation with a woman by the name of Lydia. Now, Lydia was a business owner or a merchant owner, as the scripture says, and she gave her life to Jesus, and her family, the Bible tells us, quickly followed her example. A little later, same town, same place, same time, Paul came upon a, a fortune-telling girl. The Bible says that she was a demon-possessed girl, and through the power of Jesus Christ, he helped to heal her. But the people who owned the slave girl were so outraged, along with the people of the city, because they were making money off of her, that they had Paul and Silas thrown into prison in Philippi. Another time, Paul spent some time in prison, different places. Well, while in prison, an earthquake occurred, and the doors were opened to all the jail cells. And Paul and Silas didn't leave. They believed that God had them in that jail cell for a reason. So the doors are thrown open. They stay in their jail cell. And their unwillingness to leave gave them the opportunity to share their faith with the jailer right there in the middle of the night. And the Bible teaches us that the jailer put his trust in Jesus Christ and that he too, his family, quickly followed his example. And so each of these events, they all added up. Uh, they had a purpose. They were all a part of this church coming together. And I like one person, how they pointed it out, that this young church in Philippi began with an unusual membership of a converted businesswoman, a former demonic soothsayer, a jailer, and perhaps even some prisoners. Uh, God starts churches with extraordinary and unusual people at times, and he did so here with this church in Philippi. And so this is Paul's life. I mean, he's a church planter. He goes from place to place, investing in a community, helping to establish a church, and moves on to another location. And so time has passed. The church in Philippi has continued on, even without him. They, they've moved on, and Paul is in Rome, in prison. And so with this letter, he's writing back to the church at Philippi and to the people that he knows from there. And so as we look at these first few verses this morning... There's a lesson that I want to see. It's, it's a lesson that I really want to teach, and I hope that you will grasp onto and think about. And it's really, it's the first goal 
for every one of us as we think about what it means to live with higher definition or greater purpose. And it's this. High definition living means living a life of connection. High definition living means living a life of connection. It's simply this. Everyone needs a place to belong. Everyone needs a place to belong. And here's what I want. I want to unpack that word connection a little bit and see if we can think about what that means for us. For Paul... This church at Philippi was like home. I mean, he was invested there. He had invested blood and sweat and tears, and and the people of this church had become some of his greatest friends and supporters. I mean, they were his family. And, And whether he was going through some good times or some bad times, the people of the church were always there to support him. He writes in verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. You know, a very affectionate address. Now, when you came in this morning, with your bulletin, you, you should have received a, a scripture card that just has that verse written on it, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. Here's a challenge that I have for every one of you. As we read through this book of Philippians together, uh, I'm going to give you a scripture verse every week. And my challenge to you is to memorize it. And uh, I'm start, we'll start with a real easy one, easy for me too. You know, you probably already have it memorized. Uh, I thank my God every time I remember you. And, and don't, just, don't just memorize it. Maybe think about what this means for you. Uh, what does it mean to thank God for the people that he's put in your life and maybe even putting Genesis Church in your life? And, and take a moment during the week, you know, to pray for this church and to thank God for the people uh, that, that he's given to you. So we'll do a verse every week. We'll have a different one uh, next week. They might get a little more complicated, all right? But uh, we'll, we'll keep them simple for me too because I have a hard time with the scripture memorization. But Paul's gratitude and appreciation for the people of Philippi was personal. Uh, He knew them, he had spent time with them, he knew their names and he knew their stories, he knew their their greatest failings and he knew how they came to Jesus and the life they had left and the life they were trying to live in. So he was invested in this church and as I think about what it means for you and I to live a life of connection and as we look at Paul's life and his words, here's the first thing that I think it means. The connection is having a community that you can belong to. Connection means having a community that you can belong to because God never intended for you and I to do life alone. He never intended for us to do life alone. Very beginning in the Bible, at the creation of the world, God described creation as good and as excellent and as complete, except for one part. He said it's not good for man to be alone. And I mean, think about it for a second. Adam had work to do. He was in charge of naming the animals. He had plenty of, of dogs, probably, to keep him busy. You know, he had this apartment that overlooked the park. Uh, he had all this time to have this relationship with God. But God said, you know, it, it, it's, it's not quite right. There's still something missing. And the Bible says that I will make a helper suitable for you. And, and I think that so much goes beyond just maybe a, a person or a partner for you in life, but, but more of, of how God will unpack over the Old Testament and the New Testament, the fact that he, put, he puts bodies of believers together for a reason, to support one another and to encourage each other. And I think that's what, that's what God was saying here. I mean, we were created, yes, first and foremost, to have a relationship with God. But we were created for others too. We were meant to be in relationship with others. And we we see this in Jesus. I mean, he began his ministry on the earth. And what's the first thing he did? He rounded up a group of men. He invited them to be in community with him. And and he took them with him wherever he went. And so he found a group of men to share life with. I mean, if anyone could have gone through life and ministry on their own, it was Jesus. He didn't need anyone. But instead of isolating himself, he chose to live life connected to to a community with other believers. And he surrounded himself with this group of men who would later continue to do the work that Jesus came to do. 
And if you think for any reason, for, or for such odd reason that, you know, that you were meant to just kind of gut it out and survive life on your own, I mean, you're wrong. And the crazy thing is I, I think you probably know that. I mean, especially if you have gone through some time of, of loneliness. I mean, we were made for others. We were wired for relationships. I mean, take Facebook, for example, okay? I know it's a silly example. Somebody got very rich off of it, but I mean, it started off as a networking tool for college students on Harvard's campus. That was the purpose. And now it's spread like crazy all throughout the world. I, I'm amazed, and I'm sure you are too, about friendship requests from people that, you know, I haven't seen in years, you know, that, I, that, that I'm getting reacquainted with. And it, it's amazing to me how people will put, you know, all these family pictures on their page, and they'll, they'll put all these details about the different things that are happening in their life. You know, one, one example that always kind of cracks me up is, you know how there's the relationship status on Facebook? Like you can list that you're in a relationship, or you're single, or you're married. Um, well, I remember when I, when I was down in Louisville, we were having this big college event one night. We were having a barbecue, and there was this couple, this young guy and this young gal, and I knew they were dating, and you could just kind of tell that they were having the talk. Uh, they were off to the side, kind of sitting on the picnic table, and I mean, we're packing up, throwing away trash and everything, and we leave, and they're still there having the talk. Well, the next morning, I just found it somewhat comical that when I had gone to my Facebook page, you know, you see all the updates of what different people have done and stuff, that they were both now listed as single, you know, and I was like, well, the talk didn't really work out, you know, but, but it's amazing what people will share. And, you know, whether it's Facebook or MySpace or texting and, yeah, the middle, the, did you see the high school girl that sent 32,000 texts in one month? Okay, now that's a little overboard. I, I think that, that gets a little bit beyond it. I'm serious. If you haven't heard it, there was a girl who sent 32,000 texts in one month and she made the news for it. But we weren't meant to live alone. I don't think we were meant to send that many texts either. I think that's just a little overboard. But before Facebook and T-ball leagues and all that type of stuff, there, there was the church. And it was a place for, for people, you know, of all sorts of people, men and women, families and single students and children to all do life together. It's about relationships. It's, it's supporting one another. It's accountability. It's worshiping God on Sundays and then a group of people coming around a family that has a newborn baby and providing meals, you know, throughout the week. That, that was God's desire and dream for his church. And in verse 4, Paul writes, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, the key word here that I see is the word partnership. You know, I, I have joy in my heart because of the partnership that we have. It's the Greek word koinonia. It means fellowship or association or community. I mean, it means they were one team. It means, hey, I, I know that you guys have my back. And Paul was reaping the benefits of having this connection with his friends from past. You know, as I've mentioned a number of times, and, but in case you're new, my wife Jenny and I, we moved here in September to, to be a part of this church, and, and that was a big move for us, and I had grown up in Illinois and spent, you know, 18, 19 years there before I, I moved over here to central Indiana to go to college, and, and in all those years of living in Illinois, I went to the same church. My mom was born into that church, Cherry Hills Baptist Church, and then I grew up in that church and, and still have a pretty strong connection to that church and, and know quite a few of the people that are there. And um, one of my first days here in the office, I, I got a piece of mail from Springfield, Illinois, and it kind of caught my attention. And I got this card out and I opened it up and, and noticed it was one of those encouragement cards that was passed around to a number of people. And, and as I read through it and I started recognizing all of these names who are of people 
you know, couples and singles who are, are very close friends of my parents. And they're part of my parents' Sunday school class. My dad teaches a Sunday school class. And, I mean, these are people that, you know, I, I grew up with their kids, and I've had dinner at their house. I mean, they probably changed my diaper when I was a kid and, and all this stuff. But, but they wrote me this letter, and, and just one of the notes on the back said, Paul, we wanted you to know our thoughts and prayers are with you as you begin this new venture with the Lord. Uh, he has faithfully brought you to this point. It will be exciting to hear how he works through you. Thanks for your obedience. And don't mess it up. No, it doesn't say that. But, uh, but it, it was so touching to me. And, and as I was thinking about this this morning, I couldn't help but think, I am so thankful to my mom and dad that as a young kid, they felt it to be so important to find a church, to make that church our home as a family. And we invested so much of our time and our energy there. And because of it, I still get to reap some of the benefits of that today, of having that close connection to a community of people who, you know, I, I make it there to church maybe once a year, but they took the time, you know, just to say, hey, congratulations, we're excited for you, we're praying for you, and we trust that God's going to do great things. Are you connected to a community of believers? Uh, do you have a church that you call your home? And, and you know, you might be sitting here thinking, well, that, that's pretty kind of weird for you to ask that because I'm sitting here right this morning, but, but I know it's not the case for everyone. I mean, because maybe you've been checking out church for a while and trying out some different places, or, or maybe you've been here and you just sort of know that you're kind of here, but maybe kind of not. As you think about what it means to live a life of connection, maybe the next step you need for your life is to make the decision to officially make Genesis your home. Just kind of a decision in your family, in your life, between you and God, where you say, you know what, this is my place, this is my church, we're digging in, we're going to be a part of this great thing that's happening. This is where we belong, we believe God wants us here, we're going to attend here, serve here, give here, and invite others to join us here. And you know, we don't currently have a membership process, a, former membership, a formal membership process, I mean, you get to make the decision to belong here. But maybe just what you need to do, maybe the next decision you need to make in your life is just say, you know, this is my church, and we're going to give some time here. We're going to get to know the people here. We're going to enjoy the benefits of being a part of this place. And let me also say this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as the leader of your life, and you're still kind of checking all these things out, and we use some words sometimes and some terms sometimes that don't really quite add up for you, and, and you're thinking, you know, I, I, I sort of get the Jesus thing, and I'm trying to understand forgiveness, but I'm still just trying to work all of this out, and I want to build up some trust with some other people first. Here's what I want you to know. You can belong to this place before you believe. And we want to invite you to kind of work out whatever you're going through in life right here with us. You've got my invitation to be a part of this church and to call Genesis your home. And we would love to have you be here with us. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Meaning, there's still some work to do. There's still some things to happen. And, and I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. He does. And if you're still breathing, God is not done with you yet. And that should be hopeful to you. And, you know, when I think about life, it's really like a long road sometimes. And there are all these curves and valleys, and you don't always know what's ahead. But it's crazy, isn't it, that you can wake up on a morning, and everything could be perfectly fine. And by lunch, your life could be dramatically different. I mean, seriously, it could change forever by lunch and never be the same again. And I believe that that's why relationships are so important, that God wants us to be in community with others so we don't have to do life alone. And that's why God created us for connections, and we see this again in Paul's life. 
Here's another thing I think we see about connection, and that it's, it's having a community where you can be encouraged. You know, Paul talks about, you know, hanging in there until this day of completion, this day of Christ Jesus, but, but what happens in the meantime? And, and I think we're supposed to be in connection and be encouraged by others. Verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains, remember he's writing this from prison, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I mean, Paul was genuinely concerned for the people in Philippi. He prayed for them regularly. He said these words, God can testify how I long for you. Now, the language here is similar to the language used of an athlete. Uh, The meaning is this, that to long for someone, it's that language of, of straining so hard at the end of the race to cross the finish line first. I mean, there's a great effort that's happening here. Paul was close to these people. He had been encouraged by them over and over again, and he encouraged them too. Do you have a community of people, you know, men and women who, who trust in Jesus, who you can turn to for encouragement? And it's not always when life is bad. It's people to celebrate when, when life's going good. And as we think about what it means to be in a community where you can be encouraged, it's, it's kind of like the next step. I mean, because, you know, maybe you've called Genesis your home and you've kind of been here for a while and you've met some people and you're really looking for that next step in order to make this place your own and to get into relationship with others, it's one more step beyond. It's taking another step of involvement here for the sake of being known and getting to know others too. And I just have a couple of practical things for you to think about if you're in that place right now waiting to take one more step. The first thing is this. On Sunday, February 8th, we're going to do this event that's just simply called Intro to Genesis. And if you're new to this church, maybe today's your first Sunday, maybe you've been coming for a couple of months now, Immediately following the second service, we're going to do a lunch for new people. And uh, it'll be held in our cafe. It'll be very laid back. I'll probably have my wife and kids there. Your kids are welcome to be there too. We're just going to eat pizza together. Uh, The staff will be there. We'll introduce ourselves. We'll give you a chance to ask some questions, meet some people around the table that maybe you haven't met yet. We'll be done by 1 o'clock at the latest. Uh, You can sign up for that at the Info Hub or you can call the church office. But that'd be a great way for you to take a next step towards, you know, getting more connected to the community and some of the intentional relationships that are happening here. There's another obvious connection, and it's just what we call groups. Uh, We we call these things groups. We have many different kinds of groups that meet in in people's homes, and we have groups that meet in the building, these, these Bible study groups. Groups are made up of 8 to 14 people on most occasions, and, and they meet for food, you know, and food's always a good thing. We, we can't ever end, you know, eating together, uh, just kind of talking about life a little bit, just sharing with one another in Bible study. Now, there are times when it just feels like it's one more thing to do in your life. You know, like, hey, I've got plenty going on, we've got the kids' stuff, and now you're asking me to do this too, but, but it's so much more than that. I mean, it's about getting to know others. It's about having people in your life who you know their names and you, then you see them on Sunday morning. Well, we've got an event coming up tonight that I'd like to invite you to come back and check out. We just simply call it Group Link. I'm going to be there tonight and I'm going to share a little bit about groups and what it means to be in a group. And we're just going to get to know each other a little bit better. And so if you're not currently connected to a group and would like to do so, uh, we want to invite you back at 6 o'clock. Uh, we do have child care available. And all that we ask is if you're planning on coming back tonight, would you just let us know at the info hub this morning before you leave? We'd just like to plan for you being there. And we're expecting a a group and uh, we're excited about it. Again, it might last a little more than an hour, just a chance to get to know other people, uh, to meet some of our group leaders and to talk about a little bit more about what it means to be in a group. And we've got groups for couples and singles, uh, men and women, 
and for students too. Uh, you know, another way to get connected, uh, another way to enjoy being encouraged by others is to serve together. You know, I, I met a woman this morning who was working back in our cafe. She's only been coming here a couple of months, and she's, she's getting connected. She's getting to know other people, you know, by, by serving here, you know, at Genesis. Because one of my greatest fears is this. One of my greatest fears is that you, you would come to Genesis Church and maybe even spend a considerable amount of time here, maybe even call this place your home and not know anyone. And no one would know you. And to a certain degree, that might be my fault and that might be someone else's fault and some of the responsibility that we take in that. But can I just say that you, you've got a responsibility in that too, especially if you've been around here for a while. Uh, take another step. You know, take, a, take a chance at being known. Find a group of people that you can get to know and be encouraged by. I mean, we're, we're a big family here, and we're a little odd. There are some odd things that we do, but uh, this is just one great big family, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul writes, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. And so Paul concludes the opening to this letter with a prayer. And with this prayer, he is praying for things that have not yet been perfected. I mean, they're goals that are within reach, but certainly not attained. And his prayer is that this church in Philippi would be known for one great thing, that they would be known for their love. Not a great preacher, not a great worship service, not a great facility, but that this church would be known for their love. And Paul had experienced this love, and he wanted to make sure that others experienced it too. And I think it just leads to kind of another definition for connection for us, and that connection is having a community where you can be loved. It's being connected to a place where you can be loved. Now, I've got this goal in my life. I've got several goals. You know, one of them is to have a healthy and a vibrant relationship with my wife and to be, you know, well-connected with my kids and to, to be their dad and be involved with them and, you know, to be a part of this church. But there's another goal that I have and one that I believe that will be attained in time one day, and it's this. I want to fly first class. Yep. It's just what I want to do. You know, I've never done it before. I won't ever pay for it. I want to fly first class one day, and I'm just waiting for that day when I get ready to fly somewhere, and I'm standing there, you know, waiting to get on board, and they call out my name. Mr. Moomaw, well, we've had an accident. We've actually overbooked. Uh, would you be willing to sit in first class? And that will be the day. You know, I mean, I, it, it just will all be accomplished at that moment, you know, when I can go and have the big leather chair and the slippers and get my drink first uh, and get off the plane first and all the pampering that comes with it. Because, you know, to me, there's just this privilege, you know, of being in first class and of enjoying, you know, the benefits. And, and I can say, too, that I think there are incredible benefits to being involved in this church and calling this your church and being active here. And if you've been around for a while, you know the privilege of getting to know others or, or being in a group where you're known or serving with the team here at Genesis. And you know how this church is so much more than Sundays. It's so much more than an hour and 10 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes on Sundays. It's about knowing other people and being known. It's the confidence that there are a group of people that have your back, you know, that they're watching out for you. I was trying to think of an example of this, and there was an example that I, I, was, I learned of this week that happened before I actually was here. Um, I was talking with Dean and Kathy Furge, and some of you may remember, but back in May, May 30th, 
some pretty nasty thunderstorms went through the area and even some, some, some tornadoes. And one of the tornadoes went right through the area where Dean and Kathy Furge lived. And, and as I was talking with them, uh, you know, Kathy said, okay, this happened at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. And then on Sunday or Saturday morning, I, I made a phone call uh, real early in the morning. And, and I called, I, I called Carolyn. I just said, hey, here's, here's what I want you to do. Would you just ask my Bible study group to pray for us on how we're going to get through this? Uh, they were overwhelmed that in about an hour, there were over 30 people from this church in their front yard that immediately went to work. There were people up on the roof laying out the tarps to cover the areas where the roof had been damaged. Uh, people were picking up the garbage in the yard and, and helping with things in the house. Uh, someone brought food, and, and not only for, for the Furges, but for all the workers, and it extended into the neighborhood. And, and when, when this crowd from Genesis got down on the Furges' house, they were moved to the next door and moved to another house. And all of a sudden, these great things were happening. And, and, and for Dean and Kathy, it was the joy and the privilege of knowing that they were loved, they were a part of a community who cared, and they really felt like they were a part of this Genesis family. And you know, maybe you're fortunate enough that you've been the recipient of a great act of love here. You know, somebody prayed with you after a worship service one Sunday. Uh, a friend called you because they knew you had a tough week ahead of you, maybe a big assignment at work. Or some friends took your kids one night when you and your husband just needed a night out together. Or there was the emergency. You made one phone call. And all of a sudden, you were overwhelmed with support of people just saying, hey, what can we do? We're looking out for you. And you've experienced that love. Well, can I just say one thing this morning? That it's going to take every one of us owning up to the personal responsibility of being a loving church in order to be that loving church that Paul was describing. I mean, we can never let down. And so, you know, are you taking the time to get to know others on a Sunday? You know, I mean, it's great to come in and get reacquainted with people you know, but are you reaching out to some people that you've never met before saying, hey, welcome, we're glad that you're here. Don't, don't scare them or, you know, freak them out or anything. You know, do, do you come in here each week with that type of an attitude? Are you inviting others to join you in the life of this church? You know, maybe saying, hey, we've got this Bible study that meets on Friday night. We would love for you to come be a part. Just come try it out, you know, and see if you like it. Or, hey, our group, we're going out to dinner. No strings attached. Would you like to just go out and have dinner with us? You know, when was the last time you invited a new family or a new person out to lunch or over to your home for dinner? Are you serving for the sake of Christ? You know, maybe it's time for you to say, you know what, I'm in this game. Um, you know, Genesis is my church. I know there are needs. You know, I'll step up. You know, I'll, I'll host a group in my home. You know, I'll, I'll find some people that I enjoy being around and maybe invite some new people as well and, uh, and just invite people into my house and just enjoy getting to know one another. Because when we do this, and then Christ's love shines through and people get loved and encouraged and things start happening in people's lives as they enjoy the benefit of connections. But it's going to take every one of us in order to be that kind of loving community, that church that God wants us to be. Verse 9, Paul concludes this section. He says, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, there's a lot right here, but here's what Paul's doing. Paul's praying this prayer, and his prayer is that this church in Philippi, that the people of the church would continue following Jesus. Because when we surrender our lives to Jesus and His will, He starts changing things. 
All right, he starts doing things with us to make us better, to make us whole again. He changes us and shapes us into the men and women he wants us to be. And notice the words of the prayer that Paul prays, that your love may abound more and more in what? In knowledge and depth and insight. And so I can't help, how do we get there? You know, how do we learn to live? What is our guide? What is our compass? And I think it's the final thought that Paul gives us in his description of a life of connection. It's this, connection is having a community where you can study God's word. It's having a community where you can study God's Word. You know, we, we've got a number of groups, of Bible study groups happening here in the building and in people's homes right now uh, at Genesis Church. And there are a number of groups that spend a lot of time eating and hanging out. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty for that. Because guess what? That counts. All right, that matters. I love it when I hear about groups that are going out to dinner and going bowling and doing a picnic together or bringing their children in or, you know, and just making all the kids a part of it or watching the Super Bowl. That stuff, it matters. It counts. All right? And you don't have to feel ashamed for that. I mean, we were made to hang out with each other. We are made to eat cheesecake together. But here's what I hope. I hope as a group that you'll come to a point where you'll make some time to study God's Word with each other because it is our guide. It is our compass. And as we read it and as we study it, I believe that we will better understand God's love and our, His grace for our lives, but I, I also believe that we'll better understand God's desire and His dream for this community and for this church. And so as we begin this study of Philippians, here's one of the things that I'm asking every group that currently meets to do, just to consider doing, and that is that we've provided, we've made available some Bible study questions on the book of Philippians. And if your group is beginning to meet, we've got those questions available. You can contact us and we'll get them to you. And every week or every two weeks when your group meets, that you can use those questions to kind of facilitate your discussion. And I think the great thing about it is that you get to talk about it. I mean, because you come in here and you get to listen and we don't raise hands and ask questions because I might not know the answers to your questions. But, but when you get together in a group, you, you can start processing some of the stuff that you're thinking about. You know, he said this and I, I, I don't quite agree with it. Or I understand that the Bible says this and I don't completely understand what it means. And so I want to challenge you that if you are in a group or if you're a group leader to consider going through Philippians with us too. If you're not currently in a group, you know, this is a great opportunity to jump in. You know, we're going through Philippians together. Again, you can come back tonight and join us at 6 o'clock. Uh, let us know at the info hub and you can get in a group as we, as we study Philippians together. The point's this. Paul was connected to a community. Uh, he had a place that he could turn back to and encourage, but receive the benefits from as well. He was able to enjoy these benefits of being connected to a group of believers. Now, do you? Do you have those benefits? Do you have a place, a church that you can call your own, a place where you feel connected, that you can be encouraged, that you can be loved? Do you have that in your life? Would you like to? There's this big bike race every year called the Tour de France. And the Tour de France is the granddaddy of all bike races in the world. Now, I don't know a lot about bike racing, but it's a pretty fascinating event. Uh, and this is no ride for the weak. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a ride for the strong. The Tour de France is a three-week, 2,700-mile bike ride through France and, and other neighboring countries. And it's not very well known in America, but in Europe, it's like the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a big deal. Life shuts down. Everybody pays attention to the Tour de France. And winning the Tour 
is a prestigious accomplishment. But even finishing it is still a very big feat because it is such a, such a, a grand event. Uh, Lawrence, Lance Armstrong, you know, has popularized it all for us as Americans by his participation. I mean, he's gone over and above anything that anybody has ever done by winning seven Tour de France races. And I believe that I've read correctly that he's coming back again this summer uh, to do it once again because he doesn't have anything to do and doesn't have enough money. But uh, at 2,700 miles, the Tour de France is a grueling event. And as you can imagine, it messes with your body, or so I've been told. In fact, according to one recent scientific study, they say that the Tour de France is metabolically equivalent to running 21 marathons in 23 days. Now, for some of us, running one marathon over 23 days would be a very big deal, all right? Well, this is equivalent to 21 marathons in 23 days, so it does crazy things to your body. Any rider hoping to win the tour or even think about finishing the tour must utilize one great reality in the bike race. It's the reality called the Peloton. I've got a picture of it right here. Now, the Peloton is this French term meaning ball of yarn or platoon. And it's a big accident waiting to happen. All of these men riding at such a great rate of speed, so close together. I mean, one guy gets a flat tire and everyone has just had a really bad day, all right? Because they ride, they, they ride so close together. Well, the peloton is this scrum of cyclists, 150 or so at a time, seen racing down the road like one big amoeba. And if you watch it on TV, you'll get these overhead shots once in a while, and you'll just, you'll just see this blob maneuvering its way up and down these hills and, and, and down these long stretches of road. And while the peloton is made up of enemies and rivals, the peloton is absolutely pivotal for any person who wants to win the race or even think about finishing the race. Because you see, the peloton allows riders to conserve energy by drafting off of each other. Uh, ever tried to ride your bike in the wind, you know, on a really windy day? You know, you go out, you face the headwind, you ride back into the drive, go into the garage, get some potato chips and watch TV, you know? <laughs> it's not a very fun thing to do. Well, you, you, you lose energy quickly. Well, with three weeks of riding, energy conservation is a big deal. And wind resistance is a big deal on the Tour de France. 80% of a rider's energy is consumed racing out in the open wind. And there's this expected courtesy that if you're riding in the back of the peloton and enjoying the benefits of all the drafting, you just you move to the forward occasionally, up to the front, and take on some of that headwind for the benefit of everyone else. I mean, if you want to win the race, you have to work together. You've got to enjoy the benefits of the peloton. If you want to get through and even finish... You have to be a part of something greater. The Peloton serves everyone. It's not a solo event. And the funny thing is that life isn't like that either. We weren't meant to do it alone. We weren't meant to go solo. God created us to live a life of connection. He created us to be in relationship with another, to celebrate with one another, to support one another, and to lift each other up even when things get rough. You have a community that you call your own, and Genesis can be that for you. Are you actively involved in the life of this church? We can find a place for you to get connected with others. And are you doing your part to help others enjoy the benefit of being part of this community? If not, you can play a part. And most important of all, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? He's why we meet here. He's why we get together here in groups. 
He's our Savior and our Lord. He's the one we follow, and He's a big reason for our being. And we'd love to talk with you about Him, and I'd be available and some others too immediately following the service if you'd like to talk more. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for this time that we had today. I want to thank you for the words that you spoke through Paul in the book of Philippians that encourage us and remind us of the importance of doing life with one another. God, would you help us to find a place of connection here at Genesis? Would you reach out to those who want to be a part of the family and just don't know how? And would you show, us, show them the way? Thanks for this church. Thanks for the people of this church who love and encourage others daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.